the power chair podcast you're listening to set ball the power chair podcast the first and only podcast focusing on all things power chair football my name's Siobhan Stevenson and I'm with my mate Dave Lewis who happens to be the chair of the Wheelchair Football Association which is the national governing body for powerchair football in England. Dave, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, my name is David Lewis. I am the chairman of the Wheelchair Football Association. I've done that for a couple of years now. Previous to that, I was the vice chairman for a few years um, and I also still play the sport and I'm also a coach. So my, my, uh, my life is power chair football, basically. And and I've known you quite a while. Um, we used to be colleagues and former students at uni together. Indeed. So it's good to connect with you again during lockdown to do this. So thank you very much. I know it's been nice, hasn't it? It's a real shame that it's taken a lockdown to get us <laughs> to actually be in the same place at the same time yeah. but there you go what but, can you, you know, do about that there are some positives to lockdown on the other hand which is you know and uh, this is one of them certainly so i've got to come clean here i'm a novice okay. and i don't know much about the sport so obviously i've been That's to fine. see you at a couple of da- games <laughs> and i've cheered along but um honestly some of it i didn't really understand the rules and I was cheering just because you'd got the ball so I think it's about <laughs> I think it's about time I I'm learned. not sure if that's a good or a bad thing um. <laughs> I think it's about time I learned and uh, hopefully um, this will go part way to uh, doing that so do you want to introduce our guests today Yes, certainly. Um, yeah, uh, certainly we've got two very special guests today, uh, really experienced individuals within power chair football, known them probably more than a decade myself, probably as long as you, Siobhan. Um, so please welcome Newcastle United's Rob Thompson and Jamie Harrison. Yeah, right, Dave. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, not Any too bad. coming on the first, the first edition of yeah, Power Chair Podcast? Yeah, thanks for joining us. No problem, it should, it should be good fun, it should be a lot. It could be our guinea pigs. <laughs> yeah, we should say this is still experimental um, yeah. and we're, we're kind of trying it out. So if we get any technical gremlins, you're going to have to bear with us. Um, we'll get better as we go along. Everybody's, um, um, you know, obviously in lockdown, Siobhan, so, you know, the reason for doing this probably is to, you know, sort of engage with our community and, you know, and hopefully put a smile on their faces and entertain them, so... No, the more jokes we can crack, the better, probably. <laughs> okay, so we've got some questions for you, Rob and Jamie. And um, I'm sitting here all ears waiting to learn about power chair football. Um, so you've got to bear with me. I've got a little whistle, uh, and I'm only allowed to speak, really, when I blow my whistle. So I'll try not to deafen you with it. Um, but... Um, yeah, we'll crack on and ask you some questions. So we just crack on and ask them? Let's one, just yeah? crack on. Let's get the chat going. Okay, then. So, Jamie, so as I explained when I introduced you both, you're both really experienced in the sport. So, first of all, then, just set the scene for our guests. Tell us about yourselves and your role within your club and also the sport, if you have one. So, uh, I'm Jamie Harrison. I'm, the, I'm currently the head coach of Newcastle United Foundation Power Chair Football Club. I've been head coach of this current team for not much longer than a year. Prior to that, I did bits with uh, Northern Thunder, who are obviously one of the teams that are in the National League Premiership division. And I've also been at two World Cups as 
England assistant head coach. So I did a lot of work with England um, prior to us having a little bit of time away from the sport. Fantastic. And Bob, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, I'm Rob Thompson. Uh, I'm probably defined as one of the veterans of the sport. Uh, I was one of the ones that was very lucky to be involved with it from the very start, which included going to Portugal and Atlanta to help writing the rules internationally and then having some involvement setting up Northern Thunder, uh, some highly successful years there, a uh, bit of time with Aspire and then this new rule uh, supporting Newcastle United Foundation. Absolutely fantastic. You know, they've got a wealth of experience behind them and there goes the whistle, Siobhan. Okay, so that's my first whistle. So okay. before we before we go any further, obviously we've called this podcast Set Ball. I've even learnt the action for Set Ball, <laughs> which I can't show you now, but I know exactly how to do it. So can somebody explain to me the rule Set Ball? Um, go on, Jamie, you had the rest. Go on, Jamie. <laughs> you have the rest. Yes. <laughs> So a, a set a set ball is usually given in a game where the referee can't determine who's who's getting the advantage or whose ball it should be. So sometimes if two players drive the ball off court and there's no one really being given a, a clear advantage or the balls came over a certain height, then two players sort of face each other with the ball set in between the two of them and they both come together nice and slowly and then the game will carry on from that set ball. So it's a, it's, a, it's a way of restarting the game when things when th- things have went dead and the referee doesn't quite know who's been given the advantage. That's an absolutely brilliant explanation. That's a brilliant I'm very, explanation. very, very pleased because I couldn't have given an explanation. So, no, you couldn't, uh, Dave. J- Jamie, just <laughs> let me tell you, he did try and explain it to me and I came away as clueless as I, I started. So thank you for that explanation. <laughs> I said it's I like I a drop ball. I think that's fair enough. No, it's like yeah, a yeah, ball. like yeah, 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 a bit like a bit like a drop ball in in able body. You just football. don't drop it; you set it instead. Yeah. <laughs> um, shall we crack on with the questions, wrestling? Does that answer crack on your with the questions? Does that answer your query about set ball? It does. Oh, I'm happy. I was going to say we've called it set ball because of the situation we're in. Because obviously, like you know, the lockdown, it is like a resetting of the ball, if you yeah, like. Yeah. So it's yeah, a play yeah. on words. You probably get that anyway. Cool. Okay, you might have touched on this in your first question, then Jamie and Rob. But how did you get involved in the sport? Uh, the involvement for me was yeah, right at the very start. Uh, I knew Jamie through knowing his dad, Alan, uh, who was the former England head coach and my first coach. Uh, he introduced me to the sport. Said that some people from Japan were coming over to demonstrate. It. Did I want to come and have a look? Uh, we got a brief idea of what that looked like, uh, picked up and ran with it in Newcastle and then worked to develop the WFA and then FIFA for that kind of international viewpoint as well. Excellent. And yourself, Jeremy? So uh, Rob touched on a, on it a little bit. Uh, my dad um, got me involved. Um, he was the head coach of England um, at Percy Headley, where we, we both still work. Um, we used to train in a tiny little hall which was about the same size as a botcher court and through various conversations with different people these Japanese players well, a Japanese player came over to sort of demonstrate because they were a bit they were a bit further ahead in their journey um, 
me dad willingly let the Japanese player stay at my house. And um, I remember one funny story. <laughs> we took them down to the local river because they wanted to see a bit, bit of bit of the scenery. And I, th- right. I can't think of the time here, but I, I think it was November. So obviously <laughs> the, the, the weather up in Newcastle in, in November was like one degree. And um, the Jap- the care of one of the Japanese players was um, going, can I, can I go into the water? And my dad's going, I, I don't think that's uh, quite a good idea in, uh, no. in, in November in the northeast. So it was my dad. My dad got me involved. I think I think I was about thirteen or fourteen year old when I first got involved in the sport. Yeah. Okay. So I was, I was fairly young. Yeah, Can I ask a question? Oh, I just right. wanted to ask, Jamie. You're not. A, am I right in thinking you're not a wheelchair user? No, no, I'm no, I'm not a wheelchair user. No, I, um, Percy Hadley, where I work at, um, in. Um, my sister used to be a student. He has a, a school in the northeast for disabled students, um, mainly with cerebral palsy. So that's how I got involved because I used to bring my sister along and volunteer. And are there many um, non-wheelchair users that are coaches in the game? I think the majority are non-wheelchair users at the moment. Um, I think um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head how many wheelchair users there are. But there's I, about four I know, or five, I, Jamie, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the majority are able-bodied a lot of, a lot of parents or they've got a connection to somebody who plays i think i think what's special about jamie if i can just you know kind of but anything what's special about jamie is he's quite young if you don't mind me saying that <laughs> you know <laughs> a young compared to me anyway um you know and he's been involved since a very early age he said 13 or 14 so for someone who's may have been um you know he's maybe involved you know he's usually one of the dads because the dads bring you know the kids to the you know to train their matches then they end up like either lining or effing but jamie's obviously not like a dad within the sport you know he's like a young person so i think you know he brings a kind of fresh energy to it you know mm-hmm. and he, and um you know he can take that you know and use that to um you know to inspire non-disabled people and more able-bodied uh, people into the sport, you know, because Jamie's been very successful as well. Answer your question, Siobhan, yeah? It does, yes. <laughs> it does, yes. And I think, Jamie, just complimented you, which is a bit of a rarity, yeah. so I'd take that. <laughs> it's, a rarity, it's a rarity that I'll get compliments from anyone, to be fair. <laughs> so I'll take, I'll take them as many as I can. I'll take as many compliments as I can. Yeah. I'm in this okay. club, mate. Go in the club. <laughs> Okay, let's crack on the next question then. Um, so, um, you know, we've set the scene about how you got involved in the sport. Now we want to turn our attention to talking about Newcastle United because, you know, you've just had a phenomenal season. I realise it's not the end you wanted, but we'll come on to that in a bit. realise it was cut short, right? But how was it for you? How was your season? And uh, what happened? Um, so we did re- we did really well. Obviously, we came through the playoffs because we, ha- we had to enter the playoffs to obviously get into the national league. Mm-hmm. Um, and we sort we sort of knew we knew that we we had a, we had a good chance because we obviously we had Rob who was next England international, and we brought in quite a lot of players that me and Rob had previously coached well whilst at Northern Thunder. So we had yeah. we, ha- we had a lot we had a lot of experience to draw on. Um, along with that, we had some youngsters that were. Uh, we are, are very talented, so going into the season, we're fairly we're fairly confident, um, and then obviously the season got cut short when we're top, we're, we're currently top of the league and we hadn't lost a game. Yeah. Um. So it was good that all the teams voted to get up because I think I think it was the right thing to do, and I think it it sort of 
the, play, the how, for how hard the players have worked, especially the young ones, it's give, it's rewarded them. Whereas I think maybe if we hadn't have went up, they would they wouldn't have been disillusioned, but it would they would have felt like the hard work was a bit unjustified. Okay, so just to understand what happened, Siobhan, like because of um, you know the coronavirus, we had to like cut the season short, obviously. Um, yeah. um, so therefore, we had to hold an SGM to kind of decide what happens with the season. And so, because Newcastle were top, and like you know, there was you know there was obviously twenty four teams in the national league. Some are going up, some are going down, some are winning. You know, um, you know, some are coming second, third, fourth. So, um, so what we had to do is we had to decide the season on a points per game basis. So it basically okay. just called it as it was. But that meant Newcastle finished top, and they ultimately won the championship. So that means when football does resume, they are promoted to the Premiership after only wow. one season in the National mm-hmm. League. They literally came into the league one season, bang, undefeated, straight up to Premiership. So they've done extremely well. So massive round of applause for myself as well. Excellent job Thanks. they've done, Bob and Jamie. So you. Rob, have you got anything to add to that, Rob, about the season and how you found it, how you found working with the players? Ah, just that, first and foremost, it's been great fun. Uh, I don't want to sound too too arrogant, but it was a case of Newcastle United had existed for a number of years uh, because of various things that went on. I was looking for that that fresh challenge, and what me and Jamie have almost ended up doing is kind of supercharging that team. As Jamie said, we found those very talented young players, uh, had some players that still had some hunger about playing. And, and wanted to to get back to it and play it at the highest level that they could, and fortunately, me and Jamie were able to pull that together and and help Newcastle United kind of take get on that next step of that journey in the sport power chair football. Great, fantastic. Okay, then so that brings on nicely to our next question. Now, now to be honest with you, I haven't got much experience of winning anything. Um, you know, and I haven't won a national league or cup or anything. I have won a regional league. You know. Must count them, they all count. Um, so I've got to ask you, what makes a winning power chair football team? You might have touched on it in the previous answer with the youth and experience, but what but what makes a you know a winning power chair football team drawing on your experience from your previous club as well, Northern Thunder? Uh, certainly from my point of view, it's been a case of sometimes people get fixated on the result too much, the the winning, the losing. Ultimately, what we try to do is uh, the the best in every way that we can. It's almost right versus wrong rather than uh, win versus a loss. And it's a case of we work with the players every single week uh, to teach them how to play. A lot of our work's on decision-making. Uh, and it does help that we've got an awful... We ended up with an awful lot of quality uh, in our in our team at that time, that that is one part of it, but it's also primarily down to the hard work that the, the players put in. From my point of view, okay. And Jamie, anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, I think it has helped that we've had experience along with sort of the raw potential of the, the youngsters. As Rob, as Rob said, we could we could have just went res- results driven and just went we want we want results or this team just wants results, but. I can remember a few games during the season where we, we maybe were two or three nil up in the first sort of five six minutes, and we could have kept go. I could have kept going with just the experience and just go. All, all that matters is results. We're just going to keep ploughing on for this forty minutes to get the results. 
But the right thing to do is to bring the youngsters on. And in a couple of games, we conceded some goals. But it, it, it gives them the knowledge that they need moving forward. And, and I think it's it's only fair on the teams that we're playing against. Because a couple of teams scored against when you could see that you could see their faces light up good. Oh, we're starting to we're starting to peg we're starting to peg them back. And I think it's getting that balance right of having your experienced players that you know are going to grind out results for you. The likes of Rob uh, Lee are going to, are going to grind out results for you. And then you've got the youngsters who you, you don't quite know what they're going to do. They're like they're a, a rookie. You don't know what they're going to do until they do it. But it's, it's the only way they're ever going to learn by getting them on the court and putting them in situations where they've got a thing for themselves. And it's not a training situation where I can dictate things. It's about them thinking and going, I'm going to try this and I'll see if it's right or wrong. If it's wrong, I'll learn from it. If it's right, I'll keep doing it. I must admit, when I saw you back in September and you came to the first weekend as Newcastle, to be fair, it wasn't September, it would have been back in the class, wouldn't it be, in May last year, about a year ago. Yeah, yeah. I must admit, yeah. when I saw your squad, I saw yourself, I haven't seen you in a while, and I saw Rob, I thought, I thought it was like a who's who of power chair football from about, you know, you know, from about yeah, nine yeah. or ten years ago, you know, um, you know, so it's great that you've like pulled all those old faces back together, and then you know the results speak for themselves. So well done, excellent job. Okay, so it's now time to play two v one. Two v one, Danny. Can you explain the two v one rule for us? <laughs> uh, so the two v one rule is um, to stop people from sort of stacking up and just being a big carnage in the middle of a pitch oh, with eight yeah. players you can only have um, one player tackling one player essentially okay. um, there is some deviations when you get into the boxes but the main rule is um, yeah. one person tackling one if there's two players against one it's called the 2v1 it's essentially the easiest way of describing it okay well it's got nothing to do with that <laughs> <laughs> this is a we've, kind of, we've um, interpreted game. 2v1 in a different way just, yeah. just for this podcast so 2v1 for us Dave do you want to explain the rules uh, basically it's you two Rob and uh, Jamie against myself so there's going to be um, well well, I've got five questions so it's a first to three so you might win 3-0 yeah I think you'll get them because you're very experienced there's some are very quick you'll get 10 seconds for there's some that require 10 answers you'll get 30 seconds for Siobhan's going to be the timer and I'll timer. check the answers. Right. There's going to be okay? no whistles so, here. It's just a timer, so you'll hear the, the timer, timer go. We'll say, yes, correct, no, stop. Okay. So first question is, I think you'll get all these to be honest. And I'm going to lose three nil here. <laughs> this is no, just no ten then. seconds. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, apply the pressure. It's been a few months ago, dear. Okay, Siobhan, you ready? Ten seconds on the clock, please. First question, just simple. I think you'll get this. How big? Is the penalty box within a game of parachair football? Give your answer in metres, please. Five, four, three, four two. by eight is a guess. Oh, I should really, I, I, I should, I, I should really know that. Oh, I say I should, really, I should, I should really know that. So, am I right? Did you just win that one, Dave? Goal for me. Okay, so it's one nil to me, one question down. Okay, this one requires thirty seconds, please, Siobhan. Okay, okay a little bit more thinking here, boys. Jamie, okay. ready? Rob, ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Thirty seconds. Name ten players to have played for England in a competitive game since the FA took over in September 2013. I think it equals to three tournaments. John Bolden. Go. 
Yep. One. Chris. Chris. Bob. Chris. Who? Chris Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. Two. Sam Smith. Sam Smith. Yeah. Ed. Ed. Common. Yeah. Kyle Marcus Harrison. Yeah. Gone. Two more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Carl Marcus. Four more needed. Brad Bates. Yeah. Five. Four. Charlie three, Kitchart. Two. Yeah. One. Time's up. Oh. That's one, two, three, I think four, we'll four, six, seven, eight, nine. You could have said David Lewis. That was the obvious <laughs> answer. That, that was the obvious answer for it. It would have got you the point. <laughs> it would have got you the point. There was a few others you could have said. Greg Baxter. Um, uh, Brad, you said, didn't you? Brad Bates. Carl Alexander. Yeah, I think you, you could have said me or... Well, when you answered the you question, I, I started writing names down, then you, you threw in the <laughs> curveball of the, of the FA and I started having to quickly scribble names out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're tuning up, dude. You could have said Daniel Kai as well, Daniel Kai. Uh, all answers you could have had, never mind. Tune it uh, up. Right, next okay. question, you should get this one. Ten. Uh... <laughs> You've said that about the previous two, Dave. <laughs> <Okay, laughs> we feel, feel miserably. This is I'm his tactic. <laughs> Rob and Jamie, you need to understand this is his tactic. Okay. Whenever you play these kind of competitive games with him, he piles loads of pressure on and then he just <laughs> you're just confused then. <laughs> okay, give him 20 seconds to this. I'm being kind. All right. And they've got to get this because two of the answers I've got straight out with. Name five clubs, five power chair clubs, starting with the letter N for N. Norman. N, yeah. N for As Norman. Newcastle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go. Go. Newcastle, uh, Norwich. New- Nottingham. Nantwich. No. Is that one? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> You're just making words up there, Jimmy. Five, what about, uh, the, what about four, the other obvious one? Three, Lads. two. Northern Thunder. Yeah. One. Four. Northwest Beige, you could have had. Yeah, yeah. So I'm playing it up. I've won, guys. I've won. Uh, terrible, that. That is a terrible performance. Uh, that is terrible. Smashed it. We're doing like winning one. everything, Dave. Two on one. <laughs> That's the only thing I've won this season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well done, boys. I think Thank that's you. half time. I love poetry football because I've always been a football fan and enjoy c- competing in sport I love. I like the competitive nature of the game and the way it feels to play. It means the world to me because I, it gives me the ability to go out and play sport at a professional level and a competitive level. The thing I love about powerchair football is being able to play a sport like my able-bodied friends can. For me, I love the opportunity it gives me. I never had the opportunity as a child to play football, so... It's nice to finally be given the opportunity to do something that I've always wanted wanted to do, but couldn't actually do it physically. From a dad point of view, the reason why I love power chair football was just with the very first time I took Lucas to play football was seeing the smile on his face. That that was it. That's everything. That just changed everything for us. Set ball. Welcome back to the second half of our new power chair podcast. Set ball. Um, Rob and Jamie, I gotta just recap on that TV one game there. I beat you three 0 I'm very sorry. That's the first time I've actually won at that game in all the tests we've had. Um, okay, moving on with the questions then. Find out more about you boys. Um, next, we, we we talked a lot about you know your season so far. Newcastle. You know you've you know you've you've been in the league 12 months. You're now a Premiership side. Can you and and we, 
Um, within Parachair Football, there are two types of clubs. I don't know what your opinion is of this. You've got your local clubs, your community clubs, which are often started by a couple of people. And then you've got the likes of Newcastle United, where it's actually been born from the foundation for the mainstream club. So um, so what is the difference or what or what difference does the Newcastle Foundation make to your Parachair Club? So obviously me and Rob, me and Rob sort of being involved in sort of both sides, obviously Northern Fund, I was, it did get a lot of support, but was sort of set up by by themselves. And then obviously we were with Newcastle where it's foundation ran. The, the one main difference is the foundation support with financially. So we know we haven't got any real worries about hall hire and um, hotel costs from uh, myself or Rob down on weekends, van hire. So in terms of that, that takes a, a load of pressure off like myself where now, all I need to concentrate on is coaching. I don't have to worry about going and find out, finding money for, because we need a van for a weekend. So definitely on that aspect, they take a load of pressure off for, um, financially. Cool. And Rob? Uh, uh, yeah, just and the other way, uh, most importantly as well, is if you look at Newcastle United the way it is now, it gives people an opportunity to pull on uh, a Newcastle United shirt represent the the area that they're from the team that the the support in the mainstream 11 aside game uh, as jamie said we've had the benefit of seeing the positives and negatives of both styles and uh i was very proud of what me and jamie did whilst we're at thunder at one point we had three exceptional teams uh but like i say the ability to give people the opportunity to pull on a newcastle united shirt now is a very special thing in itself Excellent. Siobhan? Um, I just wanted to ask, is everybody that plays for Newcastle a Newcastle fan? No, Rob, Rob's not a Newcastle fan. He doesn't, he doesn't, like, <laughs> he, he doesn't like telling people, but Rob, Rob's not a Newcastle fan. So, uh, I've got no so, problem admitting I support Man United. So, certainly not all the players are Newcastle fans, but I think the majority, because sort of when you live up in the northeast, you're sort of living in like... You, and it's hard to explain for people that... Are, live outside of Newcastle but you sort of live in this fishbowl where everything revolves around football Every ev- everyone you know either supports football or they've got a family member that supports football so the chances of you bringing, bringing people through that are Newcastle fans th- there's a good chance for it because obviously ev- everyone's engrossed in this football community I don't think actually it's that different down in the Midlands I don't know what you think Dave no um you know, we have got like a big uh, football culture in this, you know, obviously, you know, you've got Villa, Blues, West Brom, you know, I don't um, support West Brom, but I play for West Brom, you know, but, um, yeah, yeah. It, um, but, but then on the other hand, you know, I'd never play for Villa probably, do you know what I mean? You know, so it's that choice, you know, and the fans, you know, if you want to play football, then you will, despite if your team hasn't set up a Paratech club, like, you know, I'm a Birmingham fan, but there isn't no, you know, sort of club, you know, uh, Paratech club for Birmingham, but, um, up at West Brom, obviously, I work there, so it's the next best thing in a way. Who do you support, Rob? Uh, I'm a Man United fan. Uh, uh, ever since God, I, wa- ever since I watched uh, Eric Cantona, that's, uh, that's what it was. But, you know, kind of touching on what Jamie said, there's, there's something about the culture of the place, there's something mm. about the area. Although uh, I've supported Man United since about since I got interested in football about 1996. Uh, it's been, it's very much one of those things where 
it's where you're from. I think that's the main thing that make makes a difference. It's you, you you're advertising the fact that you're from Newcastle. You're advertising mm-hmm. the fact that you're a Geordie. I think that's part of part of the pull of playing for Newcastle United. Okay, I think that link, links nicely into our next question because you've touched on Northern Thunder, you've touched on Newcastle. Um, so for, for you boys, what are the biggest changes you've seen to the sport over the years? Rob, do you want to do you want to that from a playing perspective? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. I mean. I'm sure Jamie might touch a bit on a sport development side of it, but for me, I look at it from a tactical point of view. So a lot gets said about, oh, you weren't able to play football, now we've got these new chairs. Uh, You can. Uh, To me, that's not really the case. There's always been a massive development and it's always went stage by stage from the start to where we are now. So I could basically go on a quick timeline and start with where we started and uh, Aspire, they were the dominant team. Now, they could still play, but a lot of their play ultimately ended up where we always fell short was they would wear you down and then uh, they would win with a set piece. We then moved on. If I think my, my first team were Thunder and you look at that and you go, we tried to keep the ball in play. We were terrible at set pieces. So keeping the ball in play was important was Then move that on again and you look and you go, the Thunder team I was involved with when we very nearly won the treble, you know, Champions League and things like that. It was a floating three and we passed and moved. And then a bit more tactics came into the game. So I'll give Chris Gordon a bit of credit. Yeah, in the sense that we always thought Chris is the one that's going to start the attacks for West Brom. So from a tactical point of view, I was given the job of Shut Chris down, bring the ball back, we'll then play. And then we've got to the stage now where we've got different chairs and the ball's moving around more again. But what I, w- what I will say is I always feel me and Jamie have always looked to push the boundaries and work to the maximum from the start through to the finish. And it's it's wrong to say it, it, was, a, it was a rough game, then it was a passing game. It's moved step by step, but it's been great to see it happen as well. Definitely, Jamie. Do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's important to highlight sort of where where the sports came from, and because I think a lot of the people that are involved now see the game with these chairs that cost eight thousand pound and the balls are flying all over the place. But when I first started, it was NHS chairs with. I remember me and my dad going out to local garages, um, begging for car tires because car tires used to get cut in half and ratcheted on the front of NHS chairs. And that's sort of where it started. And then Percy Headley injected a bit of money and we got some chairs. And we, we used to bring chairs down to National League. And I think mo- most teams in the country used to use our chairs. So you think the chairs now, they play two games on a day. We, we Our chairs used to play 10, 11 games in one day because <laughs> we were the only ones at the time who had the resources. So it was only right that we sort of spread it out and give other, give other people a chance to play. So going from... Go on, Chamon. Sorry, I just wanted to ask, how much is a chair? So if you if you wanted to be, I know this might sound like a really simple question, but if I've got a child and I'm sitting at home that's desperate to become a footballer and they want to get involved in um, in power chair football, how much is it going to cost me to buy a chair for them to to play at the level that you play at? 
Jamie, so, do you want to answer it? Yeah, yeah. It so depends on what your aspirations are and what sort of path you want in your son or daughter to take. There's chairs that you can pick up for 4000 the, the top chairs that all the top players are playing are £8,000. It's, it's like the cost of a car, of a small hatchback. <laughs> so it's, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. And there is... There is organisations out there that will help mm. you fund fund chairs, especially if you're under 18. If you're over 18, it becomes a little bit more difficult for you. But if you're mm. under 18, there's there's a lot of charities out there that will help you help you fund. But as I say, you're looking at eight eight thousand pounds for a chair. So do do clubs kind of um, come and loan chairs out? You know, so I I wouldn't if I if I did want my son or daughter to get involved. Um, could I contact the club and then see if they've got any um, yeah, chairs? Yeah, I think I, I think I think most clubs um, have sort of a, a stock of them. A stock of, they might not be the best chairs, but they're certainly chairs that will get you introduced to the sport. So we we've got about ten chairs in our cupboard. They're not the top of the range chairs, but the chairs that are good enough to give you a taste of what it's like. Um, and we let we allow our player players that are coming in to sort of trial them out and then if it is something that they're interested in me and me and Rob are then happy to sort of sit down with parents and go through the process of applying for for grants for chairs I don't know if that's for all clubs but that's certainly how we work I mean to similar purposes at West Brom we've got like a lot of chairs um like the people can like jump in just for like one or two sessions you know like, but if you i think as jamie said if you're serious and you want to go far in the sport then you will get your own chair sort of customized for you um you know which is better you know so the player's more comfortable when they're playing um but yeah you know, um you know it's not cheap you know certainly that right but there are funders like willing to support like you know um you know, the younger players certainly boys um, must ask you. Obviously, you know it's a very difficult time we're in at the minute. You know, um, massively unprecedented. Um, um, so, what have your squad been doing, and uh, what have you two uh, been doing to keep everyone together during lockdown? We haven't put too much pressure on the players. I, I know I've seen a lot of other teams sort of doing online training and vir- virtual training because of the season that we've had and sort of how hard we've pushed them this season. We've sort of given them a little bit, a little bit of a break, and not put any pressure on them. Um, obviously, we've got WhatsApp groups and stuff, and um, we've had a bit of social media um, following, so they've been doing little bits to help with social media. Um, there's a, there was an, um, an article in the Athletic um, that we did, um, so there's been no real pressure on anyone to do stuff. If they want to do stuff, we'll facilitate stuff, but there's been no, no pressure to say. Yeah. We want you to do this at this time on on this day because we've just pushed them hard. Once we get started again, we're going to be pushing them twice as hard. So I think it's yeah. good to get that rest in. And pe- people are people are stressed enough in sort of. I think that little bit of time with their family when they're not having to think about football mm. can often do as as much good as you're talking about it. Me me and Rob keeping me and Rob have daily conversations sort of on what we're going to plan to do when we start up but mm. the, we'll let the players sort of relax a bit now that's excellent um well i think it's time for the challenge isn't it set ball so do you want to explain it dave okay so 30 seconds on the clock siobhan basically boys um all you gotta do is 30 seconds to name as many power chair football clubs in england as you can and then that will be your target score for next week's guest 
So you can choose to alternate. It's a Jamie, you could go first and say Aspire. Then Rob, you could go second and say Northern Thunder. But if either of you repeat each other's answers, it shall go over. Oh. Okay. Based on my previous uh, attempts, this, this could be horribly <laughs> no, wrong. No, we're going to do this. <laughs> An alternative, Jamie, you could say five teams, and then Rob, you could say five. It's entirely up to you. Nah. You we'll, we'll go alternate, Bobs. We'll go alternate. Go on, go alternate. I'll let you so start. I'll be listening for repeat answers, and as soon as you repeat one, it's over, but but the clock will stop after 30 seconds regardless. Okay? Nice. Yeah. Okay, okay. then. So, Siobhan, on your whistle. Okay. Oh, God, hang on. Oh. <laughs> hang on, let me, let me get me whistle. Hold on, let me get me whistle. Ready, steady. Brighton. Aspire. Bournemouth. Northern Thunder. Four. Newcastle United Foundation. Five. Middlesbrough. Northwest Bees. West Brom. Or Albion. Sport and Cove Throttles. Norwich. Ten. Muscle Warriors. Evergreen. That's 12. We're up to 12. Oh, hey, Bobs. Uh, we're coming with the next one. Cheltenham All-Stars. Yeah. Uh, we'll go. Shifnal Town. Teesside. Villa Rockets. Five. Leeds. Four. Three. Who else Two. will play it? Manchester. One. Time's oh. up. Time's up. <laughs> How many time. did you count, Dave? Oh, I might that. Well, I, I thought it was about 30, wasn't it? Was it not every time I leave? I was generous there, because Albin is actually one club. But I'll, I'll let you have, because it's a, cause it's a different team, so I'll let you have Fossils. All right, but Albin is one club, like Nottingham. But we'll let you have yeah, that. Yeah. So 20, 20, all okay, right? Okay, so Newcastle United score is 20 for the final challenge. I suppose it's good that we've set the bar low so then things can only get better. Just so you know, there are 47 clubs in England, so there's plenty more you could have named, 27 more clubs you could have named. Don't tell me. (laughs) So what we'll do every week is, when we get people on, we will ask them to do the same challenge and yours is the score to beat. Right. So So if they're clever, they're going to listen beforehand, aren't they? Well, maybe, but, you know. But... um, then uh, there will be a, like a series ending prize, okay, for the ones with the money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll don't know that is. <laughs> don't know what it is. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I won't. I won't hold my breath. That main run's going to get us. <laughs> it might. It might be. Uh, if we can sort it out, it might be a cardboard cut out of me and Dave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh well, I, 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 I suppose it's not a bad thing that we haven't done too good. <laughs> yeah, you don't want it. You don't want it. <laughs> Okay, so they've set the bar at 20. I think we've got one more question, and then that's it for this week. A little bit of a fun question, and Jamie, being a qualified referee, may love this. Um, If you could change one law of the game in power chair football, then what would it be and why? We'll come to Rob. uh, Let's have Jamie first. Honestly, I've been been waiting for this question. (laughs) So the, the, the the one rule that I would change, and I think has to change, is when people crowd around the box, what you know when people bring the keeper up on, especially on sort of um, kick-ins, and they bring the keeper up and then they have an outfield player sitting on the edge of the box. I think right. in some way that, that has to be changed in order to get the ball moving because effectively now, if you get a throw-in, you, 
nine times out of ten you're giving the ball you're giving the ball away or you're not you're not you're not you're not really applying a lot of pressure onto the defensive team. Um, okay. So I think somehow they need to change that rule whether whether or not it's got, got to be the keeper's got to be back touching the line somehow the box has got to be bigger. I don't know. I don't know the best way to sort of solve it, but I definitely think that needs to be changed to make the game a bit more open because I know we found this season most teams defend like that because it's the way the game is played. It's the right thing to do. You'd be a bit daft for not defending like that. But when you when you when you come to attack, when you come to attacking it, it's quite hard to sort of break it down. Okay, that's a new one. I haven't heard that one before. Interesting. Okay, thanks, Jamie. Rob, what about yourself? Ah, just exactly the same. That, yeah. the, that that one rule enables you to stack three players around the ball where anywhere else on the pitch it, it wouldn't be allowed to happen. Uh, yeah. But what, what I will say is that it's down to us as a team to work out how to, how to remedy that. And we did start that work and we'll find out next season whether uh, we've succeeded. Is that it? Is that all we got time for? Okay, that's the final whistle's gone. Thank you very much for taking part. I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, boys. Really appreciate your time. Massively Excellent. appreciate it, boys. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you very Bye. much, Dave. Set Mode is an Outer Circle production.